stories. Fish stories. Fish stories. Sharing fish stories is best when you when you have somebody who has been there and been there with you. Hello everyone and welcome to Fish Stories. This is Fishing Buddy. I met Chip Lear while working for the South Dakota Office of Tourism about 10 years ago. He wears a number of hats, but he's become well known in the fishing world as the owner and operator of Fishing the Wild Side. Chip made a special stop in Pier to chat with me while on his way to one of his favorite places out west. We got into the good stuff straight away, so much so that his introduction doesn't come until six minutes in. It's all good though. We chatted about Chip's career in the fishing industry, where his passion for fishing comes from, how he continues to improve as an angler, and what sets the great anglers apart from just the good ones. I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. No, no, and that's why I like it. Okay. Why I like it is because it's, it, it, it's uh, I mean, I'm going from here to, I mean, I'm 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 headed towards my escape, right? Which is, I go from here. I'm going to go fish and uh, by rapid tomorrow, and then I'm going from there. I'm going out to the out west to the to the Tetons, which is Tetons are my love. That the, any 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 mountains are my love, and, and it's so. I live in northern Minnesota in the lakes, and I love it. It's awesome. It's wonderful, but. That's so. That's my escape. So, what's fly fishing? Fly fishing is the limited amount of time I've had in the streams, like stream fishing out there, where you can go out. And I'm not in a boat. I don't care what kind of engine it is. I don't care. I have no affiliation with any fly or line or nothing. And I don't. And because when I go sport fishing, I think about that stuff. I'm thinking about all of it all the time. And you're always thinking about the products, and you're always thinking about how to make it better, and you're always thinking about the you know, it's all of that, and it's never, you never just turn it off. That, it's like it's all turned off all the time. Does that get tiring? What? Never turning that off. No, not at all. I think it's fun. I think that's, I mean, that's why I like the sport, but I also never knew how much I liked being away from it. And I also think going fly fishing helps helps you, it certainly helped me, uh, as a pan fisherman and an ice fisherman, because that's how you know you're uh, you're seeing a resurgence of I don't know if you pay attention how close you pay attention to the ice market, but you're seeing a resurgence of flies in. That's where it's all coming from, and you know not is, is people crossing. Well, because that's what the fish are eating, and yeah. I mean fly tires have been tying bugs like that for for generations. You know, scuds, well, yeah. underwater freshwater shrimp, yeah. mayflies, you know, midges. Yeah, that's what these fish are. are are consuming and especially in the winter time and we were trying to we were trying to find panfish in ontario and we had we know we marked them on the screen we just could not get these fish to bite make long story short we ended up breaking out ice flies and and you know which were essentially flies from fly fishing in the western u.s and three-way rigged those and found ourselves with the envy of everybody in ontario i think because i don't know if i've ever caught that many fish that 
fast in the middle of the summer like that. And it was, we had gone, we'd used everything traditional and couldn't get a bite and flipped it. And next thing you know, it was where it's hand over fist and fish. Were they decent sized fish or were they? Yeah, it's Ontario. So they don't have small fish. I think they're born big. <laughs> That's Ontario. I've never fished in Ontario, yeah. but I know that big fish. Yeah. No, there's, there's, they have small fish too, but it was, they were all di- nice sized fish. And that's, that's part of, I think that's part of the evolution as we go through as fishermen is finding is, is, is one of the things that we do, right? First of all, it's about finding fish and then catching fish. And then eventually it's how you're catching fish. And then eventually it's now you're talking about, we're talking about doing things on, on different types of fishing rods. Um, and that's, that's all part of the evolution of being an angler, right? I mean, I think that that's, I mean, that's how I measure myself. I mean, I think the only way I, I, one thing I do do for myself is on a pretty much on a seasonal basis because living in the north, it's there's the open water season and there's the winter season. Is I I kind of do a self evaluation of where I am in my angling career and not business career, but my knowledge and my ability as a fisherman to produce fish on a regular basis. And I I I look at what I'm good at. I look at where I think I'm my weaknesses are. I look at where the trends are in terms of the sport because it's always changing and then I target ways to to make myself better every year and to push myself because I think that's part of the the process at least it is it is at least it is for me becoming more knowledgeable in more places I think makes me a better overall fisherman are you pretty hard on yourself in your evaluation process um it depends on the day (laughs) but yeah no generally yeah I, I try to be I try to assess myself as honestly as I I can. Um, what is what I do find funny is is my unwillingness to give up favorite passionate ways to catch fish like vertical jigging, and that is just I loved vertical jig for fish. I loved just the the a, a hook and a weight combined on the end of my rod is I, I really like that a lot, and it's because it's one to one. It's 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 uh, you know you're giving the action to the lure, you're making it happen. It isn't. You're not trolling along, so I think that's uh, that's really hard to give up. So I do have my favorite bites that I keep falling back. That's it's forcing yourself, it's forcing yourself to try new things and be to push yourself as an angler and doing it on days when the fish are biting. Because doing it on days that the fish aren't biting doesn't make you a better fisherman. You got to push yourself when the fish are biting and give up your favorite way of catching fish in an effort to find a new way or you, which potentially could be a better way to catch fish you're you're just always looking for new things to try or how are you being introduced to new things um i get introduced to things pretty much the same as everybody else through different forms of of communications with other anglers and you know the internet and the web and what 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 amazes me which i never saw coming is the social media thing and you'll see something posted on social media that you'll go what is that and then you do a little digging and you understand that somebody's doing something a little bit different. Um, and, 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 you know, all of fishing is about taking knowledge we learn from other places and applying it to where we fish. And that is, that's the hardest part. It's not, it's not clear cut. And there is no, just because it worked this way in one area doesn't mean it's going to work just that same way for you wherever you happen to be. Yeah, good point. Could you just introduce yourself? Tell me your name, where you're from, and what you do. Um, my name's Chip Lear. I live in uh, Walker, Minnesota, and I am 
I, I, I work for myself. I've got a, a company called Fishing the Wild Side, and I have grown up uh, and spent almost 30 years making a living inside the fishing industry. So I've my the the type of hat that I've wore has changed quite a bit over the years. But right now, my my main uh, the things that I do most often is I work with companies and help them. Uh, do two different things. I'm, I'm working on the ground floor, helping them develop and introduce products into the marketplace. So on the, on the creative development side, and I also help them tell their stories to consumers in terms of uh, when new products come out, my job is to uh, help people understand what the product is and how to use it and how that's going to apply to their fishing wherever they happen to fish um, and help you know carry their, their marketing message, so to speak. And then uh, probably the most visible is I do all of the the television and uh, commentary work for the National Walleye Tour. So I'm the, the face of the National Walleye Tour, and I get to work with that tournament circuit um, every year, which is, it, which is certainly a lot of fun. And it also feeds right back into my ever non-ending desire to learn more about fishing. And that is, uh, those guys are on the cutting edge of, of walleye fishing. And that's, uh, so I get to, by osmosis, I get to, to learn quite a bit. And then I have to apply it myself. But that's all part of the process. You opened up a couple can of worms, worms there um, that we'll probably have to dig into it just a little bit. So first, regarding the anglers. You hang out with anglers, professionals and non-professionals, all the time. Is there one or two um, that you've really come to appreciate over the years? Oh my gosh. There's, there's so many good fishermen. Um, you know, I think there's been a lot of influences on me over my, my career. At one time I was in business with a professional wall angler, Tommy Scarless. And a lot of people may know Tommy. Tommy is a, uh, uh, very innovative in his, his thinking and his approach to fishing. And he, he's taught me certain aspects. And there's, there's guys like John Peterson who, um, are, are, and Dwayne Peterson, his brother, both those guys, their approach to, to fishing and breaking apart bodies of water, um, and fishing, you know, a couple tournaments with John over the years and just spending a lot of time with those guys and, and understanding how they dissect a body of water because they do it really quickly and really efficiently. Um, those things have helped, but there's, there's lots of little bits and pieces. I mean, the thing about fishing, it isn't like you, you get one person, at least for me, I didn't get one person, any one person in my life that was my standalone mentor. I've, I've used, utilized many people over the years to, uh, uh, that are, that are lifelong friends that have helped me become the angler that I am. And I'm certainly not the end all answer in fishing. I've never claimed to be that, but I, I do, I do, uh, have a passion for it and certainly learn, like to learn more about it. And hopefully what I learned, I can share. I would describe you as a very high energy, very positive person and very passionate about fishing. I think we've kind of already touched on that a couple of times and we haven't been talking very long. So I guess I'm curious where that passion comes from. Um, I think my passion comes from just wanting to be good at whatever I do. I think passion comes from the, uh, when I was, when I was younger and growing up, I was very involved in, in, uh, sports. I, I pushed myself a lot athletically. Um, and I still do. It's just a different level. But I. But part of the thing that I think is great about sports is it, it taught me that you can continually push yourself, push yourself, and you know, 
make yourself better. And I think that's one of the things that I've really liked about fishing is is that it it's kind of like sport from the fact that you never really get it all. If you if you go bowling, right, you can throw a strike. But in fishing, you know, and maybe there's a bad analogy, I don't know, but in fishing, <laughs> it never really seems like I have it fully mastered, right? Whatever, you know, if I do, it only comes together for a second, and then I've got to start all over and, and do it all again. Um, and that's that's what I think I like most about fishing is that it is almost unachievable to be perfect all the time. You always get brought back down to earth. Oh yeah, point. it's a very humbling sport, right? Um, you know, and and I'm I'm all about catching. Catching is really catching is really fun. I I really also like you know being outdoors, being you know being one with my surroundings, especially natural resources, is is really near and dear to my heart. And I think that's that's part of where that passion comes from is just my desire to be there because I, I feel the most like me and the most comfortable with me when I'm in those that situation it's just me in the lake uh, you're on every outlet imaginable I mean print tv social media you're out there and I imagine it's hard to keep secrets in a in a environment like that is there something that people would be surprised to know about you um I think the, the thing that people might be surprised to know about me would be what I, how much time I spend away from, away from fishing. Cause I'm very passionate about fishing. Don't, don't get me wrong. And I spend an enormous amount of time doing it, but I, I love to, I love to run. Particularly I love to trail run. Um, and I like to, and I'm, I have a big uh, weakness for anything with altitude. So mountains, right? So I, if, the amount of time that I, every spare second I get that I'm not, fishing or which you know technically is work I guess um that I that I'm spending a lot of time in the mountains in the hills um you know either trail running or hiking or climbing or skiing or whatever it happens to be that's that's kind of like my little escape but that once again that's that's about myself getting back to um our resources I think it's really important to feel connected to the resource for myself to be a good fisherman so uh you got your start sort of fishing for a living early on. You were a guide. You cut your teeth a uh, Leech, Leech Lake guiding? or Lake, Lake of the Woods. Oh, Lake of the Woods. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, but you guided for a number of years. Um, so what, how did you get into guiding? Um, guiding came from, um, I was at a time in my life where I'd, I'd, I'd gone to college. I was going to, I had this plan. I was going to, first of all, I was going to, I had my master plan in life was to make a whole bunch of money and retire by the time I was 30. And by the time I was in my mid twenties, I determined that this 30 year old plan wasn't going to work. So I better, I better come up with something different. So what I ended up uh, uh, doing that, I, it was, it was a very interesting period in my life. I, I had all sorts of personal challenges, um, just trying to understand who I was. My, my father passed away when I was in my early 20s. That really affected me because he, he spent his whole life uh, working hard, working diligently, uh, and someday he was going to retire. Someday he was going to do this, and someday he was going to do that. Well, he had five kids, for gosh sakes. He didn't have time to do anything except work, right? Put food on the table. Um, and with him passing away early and, and affecting me in my, my 20s there, I, that was kind of a, a moment where I realized that I, I, I might be best suited to do something that I really like and not 
chase money, so to speak, because I'd been trying to do that in my early 20s to retire by 30, and I was miserable with every job that I ended up having. Um, and so long, you know, roundabout way, you end up on a trip with a guy, and I end up in the middle of the Lake of the Woods camping with these guys in back of a resort on Oak Island, and it, it, there was just an epiphany that weekend that I got up there, fished, I caught my first muskie that weekend, we caught a bunch of walleyes, it was just, I'm like, you know what, this, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I am supposed to be on Lake of the Woods, taking people fishing, sharing, you know, this resource with them, that, and that's where it, I had, it was no bigger plan than that. So I went up there and started guiding. Did you see yourself doing that when you were younger? Not at all. I never, I never envisioned that. I wanted to be, uh, you know, I wanted to be a professional athlete. I wanted to, I wanted to pursue, you know, anything other than, or, you know, quickly become a millionaire by the time I was 30, which I had no idea how I was going to do that. So it was a really well thought out plan. <laughs> I, I don't know. It works. I mean, you're not, a, well, I don't, maybe you are a millionaire. I don't know what your net worth is, but I mean, it seems like you're doing pretty well for yourself. You get to do awesome things. You get to meet a lot of great people, and you get to fish for a living, right? Yeah, and I, and I run my own business, which gives me a lot of control over what I do. Um, I do have other businesses outside of fishing that we have evolved into. My wife and I ended up going to, to – she came up and joined me eventually on Oak Island and, and worked at a resort up there, and we got exposed to the resort lifestyle, and we did that for a number of years, and eventually – um, we got into business and ended up with our own resort, which we ended up taking that. And then we turned, you know, we ended up selling that resort, which was a big lesson in life. If you start a business, work hard, increase the revenue and sell it, there's a profit. That's really nice. And then, so we have done that a couple of times with a couple of different, uh, businesses. And we still, we still are both independently minded people who, uh, she's got her, her industry and her business that she's in, and I've got uh, my business that I'm in. We share on a, a few projects, and it all, seems to, it all seems to work out fine. But fishing is definitely a big piece of that pie, and it, is, it has, it has served, me, served me well. And I think most importantly, it served me well emotionally because it, it fits, you know, it's what, I'm, what I like to do, and it puts me with the people that I like to hang with. And that uh, being happy and smiling, that was the goal when I took off to be a guide on the Lake of the Woods, was not having to look back at life and go, you know, I, I, I didn't get, to, I didn't enjoy any of the work that I did to get here. So that's it. What does your wife think of the, of the fishing deal? My wife loves the outdoors and she loves to fish. Um, she was, uh, she doesn't participate near as often as she did in, in winter fishing, but I still fish with her probably, I bet you we fish together once every 10 days in the summer probably. So three, four times a month we're, we're fishing. I mean, you can only go fishing with somebody so often when they catch more than you. You only want to go out with them. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, not she really. She shows you up that bad, huh? No, no. <laughs> but uh, when she does, you will not hear the end of it. That uh, That part, she's very competitive. Oh, my word. Um, she can't go fishing and not count, right? That's, that's her, that's her deal. She wants the biggest and the most, and that's all, that's all, that's all good. She, um, and she likes to ice fish. Um, she's, and she's a very proficient ice angler. She's, uh, I think that was one of her, her big steps in fishing was we used to fish together and we always used to go together. And finally, one day she said, you know, 
I want my own, I want my own fish house. I want my own electronics. I want my own rod. And when I got her set up with all of her own gear, it was, I mean, it was a whole nother animal. And it was great because she was in complete control of what she wanted to do. And she got to fish how she wanted to fish. And she figured out what worked and what didn't work. Um, and uh, it's it's proved her well. I mean, over the years, I think she was the, uh, she she had a lot of time where she was she was participating in a lot of these events, like our media events we were doing together. And she would come and end up uh, working with a lot of the outdoor media. I think she ended up to be the first woman on the cover of uh, In Fisherman and, and the In Fisherman Ice Guide. And so she's... She's, uh, she has her acolytes and, and likes to remind me when she catches bigger fish. I think you need to be reminded about that sometimes. Again, it's the humble, you know, bringing you back down. You can put it on your assessment. The, fi- the fish do enough humbling. I don't need humbling <laughs> by, by my spouse. <laughs> do you tell her that? Because she needs to know that. Uh, no, that's, that's all. It's all fine. It's all fun. I, I'm not, I, I know that myself, you talk about diff- people have different ways to enjoy the sport. Um, and I I still will fish in local regional tur- fishing tournaments, but competitive fishing is not my thing. I am not good at it, and and the guys that are like I get to work with on the National Walleye Tour, I am in absolute awe of them. I am uh, the the mental fortitude that it takes to be competitive as an angler, and not you know limit your information. I can't not talk, right? I can't not let it just spew through my lips. So if I do well in pre-fish, I can't hide that. I'm not going to go back and go, <laughs> well, how was your day? Well, not really. You know, I, I, I want to tell everybody. I want to show everybody. And at the same time, if I'm not doing well, I am not shy. So I want to go up and talk to everybody and go, gosh, how'd you do today? Well, I did pretty good. Really? What did you do? And then I want to start interviewing them to find out what they did well that I didn't do so I can figure all that out. And, and tournament angling, you don't get those opportunities as well to share information like that. And, and ultimately, we all become better anglers because of tournament fishing. I mean, it elevates the sport and our knowledge, but not till the end of the event, right? When it all, when everybody throws everything on the table, and you get to find out who did what, when, where, and how, and, uh, and then you can figure out why they why they caught them. What What's the difference between those professional anglers and just really good anglers? Like, what what takes them to that next level? Detail. And my and over the my uh, experience working with you know professional tournament anglers, Hall of Fame anglers that are, that are fishing the circuits, the and and I, I, I'll back that up. And even bumping into a really good local fisherman somewhere, the what makes the the guys that consistently catch fish, regardless of weather conditions, regardless the guys that always seem to be uh, on the upper echelon of the catch are the ones that are paying attention to really small details. Um, and their ability to catalog those details in their head and pull them back out when they, when they need them. And to remember that, you know what, a couple of years ago, we had the same weather conditions, the same you know, current or water temperature or whatever, that, uh, whatever the instance may be, and that I, I know that somebody else used two pound test instead of four pound test or whatever, whatever that little subtlety happened to be. And those little intricacies or, uh, or the amount of, you know, the, the right 
a bead coloration to get a walleye to react on a spinner, all that little tiny stuff. Um, and they'll be able to categorize it and utilize it when they need it. That's what separates the good from the great. What are your hopes and dreams for fishing the wild side? I guess ultimate goals, ultimate goals for fishing the wild side. What, what are your long-term just grand vision for that, for that organization? What I'd like fishing the wild side to be down the road is, is just an information portal for, for people, um, that can help people become better fishermen at whatever level they, they want to pursue. I, I don't want to be the end all answer to everybody on everything. I mean, my, the one thing I, I know is that my area of expertise is, is, uh, you know, the upper Midwest, upper Great Lakes region, it's walleye, it's smallmouth bass, um, it's panfish, uh, it's strong, strong in the ice market. And I know that those markets well, basically Maine, Montana, down to Missouri, uh, if you draw a triangle there, that that's what I know, and I think that's where I can provide the the most information for for people, and that's what I want to continue to do. And at the same time, I want to I th- I think it's partially um, I, I want to share my enthusiasm and my excitement for the sport, and hopefully people become excited about the sport of fishing because I don't see us I don't see the sport you know growing at an incredibly rapid rate. We're a really niche specialty passion market that's who we are um and if you uh if and and we we're not you know we're not the x games we're not doing backflips on our snowmobiles it isn't uh it isn't primetime television stuff that's not what we are um it's uh, it's you against a fish and it's your interpretation of it that determines your enjoyment level of the sport so in your eyes what's what's the future look like for fishing positive uh neutral i think we're at a very interesting uh, crossroads in our sport of fishing because what we're what we're seeing growth right what we're seeing growth is in this this high school college level tournament bass fishing which is wonderful it's bringing in new participants into the sport they're getting exposed to it they're catching fish they're having fun um, and and I think we will we will see some you know we're seeing a spike definitely from the manufacturer standpoint because they're selling product. So that, that is helping us, and we're getting new people and new interest that where we wouldn't have had it before. I also see a different angle, the exact opposite. I see an interest level in um, the adventure of fishing. I see people taking, when I got into this sport and started guiding on Lake of the Woods, every group we had was a corporate uh, a group of men, it was all men, and they were all on uh, an expense account from some company getting wined and dined up to Lake of the Woods or what, you know, and eventually we ended up on Leech Lake. But they would come up, they would fish their three days or whatever it was, they would do their fish fries, and it was all corporate guy trips or it was a group of guys or it was, you know, it was always just this group mentality where now you're seeing, I don't think people are going on as many fishing trips, but you're seeing a whole core of people uh, take fishing and I, I don't want to if I, I don't know if adventure is the right word but they're doing things and going places that they never would have thought they'd gone before so they may not go on a trip every single weekend but they're but they're pinpointing out you know what I've always wanted to do I've always wanted to go catch one of those brown trout out of the harbors in Milwaukee so they'll go on that trip and they'll even fly to Milwaukee jump out do the fish hop on a plane come back because they got you know two days to do it there's a smaller groups but they're very targeted um adventures you know maybe i want to catch a a a big walleye through the ice and they'll jump up to lake winnipeg or somewhere else that gives them a similar type opportunity 
That's what I see happening. And I think that it, and, and part of that, like in the, the fly fishing world, you know, part of that is getting back in touch with nature. And I think we got to nurture that end of it too, because I think that's really important that it, there's still a portion of, of people that are pursuing the sport to do nothing more than get away from the hustle and bustle of life. And that, that is what brought me to fishing as a kid. Um, and I think that that, I think we still need to provide those opportunities for people moving, moving forward. It may not be big, it may not be romantic, but if, if you help a person's soul, I think that that matters. Go back to the kids for a second. You mentioned the, the high school, the growth of the high school participation in, in the competitive aspect of the sport. I, what advice would you have to these young people who are trying to reach the next level? whether it be as an angler or maybe even as a communicator? I think the, is to be, be patient. And I think that, I, I think that um, we're in a, it, it's, an inter, it's an interesting time. It'd be a very interesting time to be a, a high school kid. I, I feel for him from the sense that um, everybody wants everything yesterday. And it, if it doesn't happen yesterday, then I'm going to move on to the next thing. So if I have a fear about all that competitive fishing, it's, it's just that, that they're going to be in one and done. But I think then people are going to stick. The advice I'd have for somebody that, that looks at it or gets in there and goes, you know what, maybe the, uh, this, this industry is something that I, I want to, uh, to, to make a living in, or I want to pursue. And I would, I would dive in and I would say be patient because if you look, take a really good hard look at the industry, one, we're not very big, okay? It's incredibly small. And the players, the most visible players that you see out there have been around f- forever. So you take a small number of people in a, in a small industry that has, that, you know, You've got to stick around a long time to to pay your dues and move yourself up the ranks. People come, people go. We see this, and I think you see it in, in in guiding is probably a really good example of it. A lot of you know, there's very few guides that stick around and do it for 15, 20 years. There's a lot of people who jump into guiding. They will guide three, four, five years, and they're out. It just becomes because it's it's an enormous amount of work. And the fishing industry is. It isn't about a little work and a big reward. It's about a lot of work and a little reward. It's not a, it's not, uh, you can do well in the fishing industry and you certainly can make a living in the fishing industry, but it's, it's certainly not a get rich scheme by any means. Well, you think about all of the, like you said, it's a pretty relatively small market in terms of, you know, anglers looking to hire a guide. And there's a lot of competition out there. So, I mean, you have to set yourself apart from all that competition. And then you have to let people know that you can help them catch fish. You have to make them trust you on that level. And I could see that being really difficult. Well, it's it's a business. And when you step back from it and look at it, I mean, on the on the walleye suit, National Walleye Tour, you know, top walleye anglers in the country. Um, we have, you know, 125, 150 boats at, at every event, right? And of those... There are, so that's 300 people. We have 15 making a living strictly as a fisherman. And I'm just, I'm taking, I'm, I'm taking a shot in the dark here. On the bass side, there's probably, you know, there's less than a hundred guys that are really just making a living fishing. There's, you know, and, and bass obviously much larger than walleye. So there's, it's not, it's not, you know, are you one of those hundred? Ooh, I don't know. Maybe. And if you are, that's awesome. 
but if you're if, but you also have to think about the business plan you put forward to, to 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 aspire to be that is it doesn't it doesn't work that way the way you think the industry should work that they should just reward you for catching fish isn't isn't uh, isn't exactly the way the way it works you get rewarded for how well you work with companies and you really get paid well for how well you work with others so it's no different than the other business that you're going to people skills are hugely important so if you had a chance to do it all over again, you go back to, you know, your Lake of the Woods trip and, and you get into fishing, would, would, you, would you do it again the same way? And I will go back there tomorrow. I've said this since the very beginning I got, I got in the fishing business. Is I, would, I, I started as a fishing guide on Lake of the Woods. I love Lake of the Woods. And I, I live on Leech Lake now, so it's not like I'm in a terrible place. Right? It's, it's awesome. I am right. in the epicenter of walleye <laughs> in, in central Minnesota there on one of the hottest lakes right now. So it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a good place um, to call home. But uh, I, I've said this since the very beginning. I started out as a fishing guide. I've evolved and got into lots of other different industries. But if the road of life ended up doing a U-turn and I ended up to uh, to spend my elder years as a fishing guide, I could see that I could, without even question. In fact, I may I may I may even like it even more because of the of what I the fact that I know so much more, um, and I'm probably a lot more patient than I was when I was. 28 years old because <laughs> I was not patient at all in a boat. I, 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 I don't know if I, I don't know if I was a good guide from that standpoint. I know that I was cause I caught a lot of fish, but I don't know. Uh, I, but I pushed my clients so hard cause it was like, we were not, not catching fish. Right. No, it was, it is. That's what we're going to do today. We are going to catch fish. Do you have a memorable, most memorable guide trip? Um, I think the, well, Certain things stick out when you you get to fish with, um, you get to fish with a celebrity or you get to fish with somebody that's fairly well known. I think that kind of stuff sticks out in your in your head. I have uh, to this day, I've just got I have different fish that stick out and some laughs and some jokes with clients. You know, nothing that really is probably that interesting to listen to, but but. Lots of times just being with somebody the first time they, like on Leech Lake, the first time you, they, they hooked into a muskie or uh, catching the biggest you know, walleye of their life. And, and those, those expressions on somebody's face guiding, that's the stuff that is most memorable. I mean, we all have humorous, you know, guides can sit around a table. I mean, they maybe, you know, they, maybe that's a TV show or at least a podcast, right? <laughs> right. Where just right. guides sitting around a table telling bad guide stories. Well, you could do it in a boat. We could do it in a boat, you know, go fishing and tell guide stories during your fishing trip. Yeah. And it, uh, you know, the, the downside to it is, is that like driving, driving here today, I on the phone with a, with a guide, I'm like, how's your day going? He goes, well, I'm, I'm, babysitting hungover adults and it's like oh awesome he goes oh it's terrible right now because we need to be moving and catching fish and they're and they're ice fishing right now so he said that we should be moving and catching fish and i can't get them to get up so so i feel his pain right and then at you know 3 30 they're gonna wonder why they haven't caught fish yet but i couldn't because i couldn't get you moving there goes his tip well kind of you know that's the nature of it you gotta you gotta fight through that stuff you're a storyteller, uh, and you're a, uh, an entertainer. Do you have a story that you tell more often than others? Just when you're sitting at a restaurant or at a bar with friends, you know, do you tell one story more than you tell any other story? I don't know about that. I don't know if I have one story I tell more than I have. Um, 
I have more just whatever funny thing. I, I like to laugh, so I, I most likely will be talking about whatever funny thing happened to me the last time I was out fishing or the fact that I, you know, I looked for... You know, I looked for my sunglasses for an hour before I realized that they're on the, you know, on the top of my hat. It's all the same. It's just fun stuff that I get kicked out of. So down the line, um, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, uh, what do you want people to know about you? Or how do you want to be remembered, basically, by, by the people listening to this? Um, that's a really good question. I don't know if I've ever been asked that question. I don't even know if I've ever even thought about that question as much as the fact is because more of it is like how I deal with life every single day. And it's the fact that I want to end every day without any regrets looking back on that day. I know that there was a, there was a time in my career where I was so obsessed with making it to a certain goal that I, I was really abrupt and and uh and and pushed way too hard and i think that as i've gotten older i've realized that uh as if i look back on every every day i try to end end my days knowing that i don't have any regrets over how i treated people and that i was uh, uh i was compassionate towards them as much as i was about their goals as i was working to get to my own so i don't know if that's the right answer or if there is a right answer, but, uh, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to, that's what I, how I try to live my life right now is just try to live it with respect towards, towards other people and to understand that they have, they have feelings and objectives and goals in their lives as well. And if I can figure out a way to, to work with them to help me accomplish my own, that we all win. You've done so many things. You know, you've got, you've got multiple businesses and okay. you've met so many different people. You've fished with so many different people. Is there something that you've done that you, that will just come to your mind sometimes and you just think, gosh, that, that was pretty cool. You know, that was really, that was a really great experience. And, and I got to have it because of, you know, me working hard and me treating people with, with genuine respect and me just being the person I am. Well, I, I, I separate things just a, a, a little bit here, right? Because first and foremost, right, I've got my own personal um, uh, ethics and who I am and how I've evolved over the years as a, as a human being. Because I, I think that I, I came into the fishing industry just obsessed with with what I wanted to accomplish. It was kind of like that same mentality I had when I was younger. I was going to become a millionaire by the time I was 30. Well, I had some goals and, and I was going to, we were going to have a TV and we were going to have a magazine and we were going to do this and we were going to do this and we were going to have the biggest regional walleye tournament and we were going to do this and we were going to do this. And we just had all these goals and I was on a race to get to them all. And I think that I was kind of a bull in a china shop. So, I mean, I guess it, what am I most proud of? I'm proud of a lot of, the, of a lot of things that we accomplished. I am also... Uh, I also feel badly that there was people that I pushed really hard and pushed away from me in my career at those days that I, that I think if I have any regrets, that's probably, that's definitely in there as I pushed too hard. And we did, we had, we made wonderful accomplishments. I mean, it was, we started a, a, a guide league that was very successful on Leech Lake. Um, we started a, I, I, I took a little 
chamber fishing tournament that gave away $13,000. And, and eventually, a couple years later, we've got this thing, 250 boats giving away 100 grand. You know, those those kind of things. We took a little newspaper from from nobody to 200,000, you know, distributed across nationally in every retail sporting good in the country. We did that. We took ice fishing from uh, from a dream, and nobody said you could ever put ice fishing on television because it was never going to happen. It couldn't happen. We launched the very first all ice fishing television program, you know, fishing the wild side on ice, and then that was. So what am I proud of? I'm really proud of that stuff. Um, I'm, I'm proud of the opportunities I've had to fish with with different people, and all that comes because of hard work um, in the in in the industry, and I'm incredibly indebted to the individuals that have laid the groundwork to make that possible. And, and there's, there's a long, there's a long list of people. So as you look back and, and earlier, we talked about advice we had for some of those kids is that, you know what, you, nobody gets anywhere without help and having people around you that believe in you and that you believe in is really key in long-term success in the fishing industry. You can't have, you can't have enough allies. And I can say that because I know that I think I've tried it a little bit both ways. I think I got in and, and got a little rough and had to back off. And But that's all part of, that's part of growing up and that's part of life. I think that we all have, we go through things like that. Is there anything I didn't ask you about that you wanted to, to mention or, or talk about? I am obsessed with the evolution of fishing tournaments at the moment. I don't know where they're all going. Um, I, I, I think that we're, I think we're at a really exciting, if I want to talk about anything, I'm really excited about where we sit in the world of fishing right now, because I think that the influx that we have coming from the high school and the college kids is exciting. I think that this thrust towards a, 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 where we talked about a little bit of adventure fishing, Right. All what that means is that there's more people that that I think care about the resources than ever before. So I think that somehow we have to figure out how to marry those two: tournament fishing, resource protection, and bring those things together. And if we can if we can do that, we can really continue to see the long term steady growth of our sport. And at the same time, I think it's important that we as a sport don't try to be something that we're we're not. We're a passionate pastime um it is a we we do it on the competitive side at times but it is still a very much a a a niche market niche industry and we are and that i don't think that we i think i think it's okay to be that it's okay to understand who you are and not that i'm trying to limit us by any means but i uh i i want i think that if we just expose people to fishing for what it is the natural ones are going to are going to stick I guess if, one more promotion. Yeah, for so sure. So we'll add one more promotion, which would be if you do get to fish in the wild side, just sign up for the for the newsletter because then I'll feel like I did my job as promotion today. And it's yeah. just fishingthewildside.com? Really? It's so, fishingthewildside.net. You don't I'm need sorry. a .com to get a fish on board. <laughs> Good point. That's my fault. <laughs> you do need a net, though. So, yes, you do. Uh, <laughs> Thanks again. Really appreciate it. Thank you, buddy.
Thanks again to Chip Lear for stopping in the Peer Area Chamber of Commerce for a fun conversation. I learned a lot. Most importantly, a very valuable lesson in marketing. You definitely don't need a .com to get a fish in the boat. (laughs) I uh, definitely should have seen that one coming. Remember to go to fishingthewildside.net to find out how Chip can bring value to your organization. While you're at it, go to fishstories.org, sign up for our newsletter, become a true fan, and submit a story of your own to the archive. We'd also like to partner with your group or organization to help record the stories of your stakeholders. Go to fishstories.org, click on Industry Champions, and find out how we can bring a lot of value to the people you care about. The Fish Stories Archive is a product of Fishing Buddy Studios in Pierre, South Dakota. Our goal is to create the largest database of angler voices and stories in the world. You can help. Go to fishstories.org and click on Submit Your Story. Let me know if you have any questions. Thank you guys so much for listening. It means a lot. Share this with anyone you want to impress. And don't forget to stay awesome. Fishing buddy.